I'd say over the past 15 years or so, leadership has become a big buzzword in almost every industry, in almost every area that you can think of. If you look at education, one of the things that we, that we hear, um, hear being talked about is we, we want to create, we want to create students who are leaders. When we think about business, we often hear, you know, we, we want, we're looking for people who are leaders. In the church, you've probably heard me talk about the, the, the fact that I've always thought that the, one of the crucial, um, one of the crucial things about church, about congregational ministry, is the development of leadership. And so if you go in my office and my, and my colleagues give me a hard time, I probably have more leadership books than I have theological books. Because I spend so much time thinking about creating and crafting leadership in the church, in myself, and around. But what's interesting is that while all that's wonderful and fine, what, does that, what, is that, what message does that send to people? What'd you say? Don't be a follower. Don't be a follower. What else? If you're not a leader, you're not good. If you're not a leader, you're not any good. What else? Anything else? Is that, if you, you think? Putting people at the head of the leadership. Okay, putting people at the head of the leadership relationship. Okay. Setting an example. Setting an example would be leadership. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I think the, the, the negative side of, of a big focus on leadership is the fact that then we, we don't value people who, who actually can follow. I mean, we often talk about creating teams, but we talk about it being a team of leaders. And that can be a little bit difficult. And I don't want to throw leadership under the bus because I, I, I think it is a very important quality that, and there are many things about it that I think are, are, actually, are very helpful. We have a lot of people who, um, who do something that in, in the military world... Uh, is called gray manning. And what that means is that uh, you sort of fall into the background. Something's happening. Something's going on with your unit or, 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 or with what you're supposed to be doing, and you sort of fall into the background. You're, you're not following, and you're not leading. You're not really participating. You're just watching. And that's not what we want either. We want leaders, but we also need followers. But who do we follow? And how do we follow? We see in the political world oftentimes that somebody gets behind a candidate and it doesn't really matter what that person says or, or how they act. They just get behind them ideologically and then, you know, they'll, just, they'll follow them wherever, wherever they, they're going without any, seemingly any sort of thinking about whether this is a good way to go or not. They follow the person or they follow that ideal just completely through, even if it doesn't make sense sometimes. Jesus has something to say about followership. Imagine that. This scripture is from Matthew chapter 16. And what happened right before this is that in Matthew, um, Jesus had asked the disciples, you know, who do you, who, who do you say, who do, who do people say that I am? 
And of course he got, well, they think you're a prophet. They think you're Elijah come again. They think you're this or that. And then he said, well, who do you say that I am? And Peter, of course, um, you know, jumps right in and says, well, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. Uh, you know, you're the one, you're the one who's, who's supposed to come. And Jesus is like, basically like, you're right, etc. But then Jesus says this. From that time on, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go uh, to Jerusalem and undergo great suffering at the hands of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So now imagine you're the disciples, you're, you're Peter, and you've just said, oh, you're our leader. And for them what leadership meant was picking up the sword, going after those who had persecuted them, going after the, the Romans who had, who had kept them under occupation, going after perhaps even the religious leaders in Judaism who, who Jesus had been having a, a very large disagreement with. For them, I think leadership was that, that Jesus was the Messiah and was going to come and be the conquering hero. And then he says, oh, but I, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to undergo great suffering. And, I'm going to, and at the hands of the, chief, the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, and I'm going to be killed. And that's probably all they heard because they wouldn't have understood on the third day I'm going to be raised. I'm going to be killed. Well, that, to them, I mean, that's not leadership. That's a death sentence. So Peter takes him aside and, and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this must never happen to you. We don't want to lose our leader. We want to follow you in the way that we want to follow you, in the way that we think we're supposed to follow you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. For you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. Then Jesus told his disciples, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For those who want to save their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for my sake will, will find it. For what will profit them if they gain the whole world but forfeit their life? And what will they give in return for their life? Any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Wow. How does that play very well in our world today? Because we're all supposed to be leaders. Why would we deny ourselves anything? That doesn't sound like the current sort of how we get ahead in the world, does it? If you go back to the, the scripture um, that, that Paul, uh, Paul writes in Romans, and he talks about love being genuine. Hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Can extend hospitality to strangers. And then he gets really serious. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Today, we seem to want our leaders to curse our enemies. But is that leadership in the way that we would think about it? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Oh, we can get there. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. 
It's a different kind of leadership. It's really a followership because you were following the one who went ahead of us who did these very things. We hear in the scripture that Jesus, even though he was equal with God, came down and poured himself out as an offering for all humanity. He did not take that elevated status and hold on to it, but he let it go. And he gave it away so that we might know what a true leader was all about. In leadership today, what we often hear is, you know, if you want to be at a certain level, then you've got to surround yourself with the right people. Make sure that you are associating with people that are above you. Because that's where you want to go. And I'm not going to say that you've got to throw that away, but what happens is, is when we focus there, I think we often forget associating with the lowly. And we get ensconced in our own way of thinking and we lose touch with where Christ would have us go. Because that's where he's leading us is to have proximity to the lowly. Because he hung out with the lepers, with the tax collectors, with the sinners, with the prostitute. He hung out with the people who weren't the winners in that society, in that culture. And so when he says, if you're going to follow me, you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross, I mean, that ought to scare the heck out of us. Because it is very countercultural, I think, to what we hear oftentimes in, in, in our world. Remember, once in a while you'll hear about servant leadership, that you get ahead by serving others and, and all this sort of thing. But ultimately, underneath all of that is this idea that I'm going to be raised up because I'm serving others. Jesus led us in a way where he just gave himself away. He took his resources, his influence, his power, and he shared it with a group of people and he told them to go out and do likewise. He modeled it. He lived it even unto his death. And so I believe that as Paul writes, you know, that we are not to be conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We in the church, those who say that we are followers of Jesus, we need to rethink leadership. How is it that we are leading in our own life, in our family, at our work, in our schools, in our community? What are our priorities? Where is it that we are putting ourselves aside and seeking what Jesus would have for us? Where is it that we are allowing Christ and the teachings of our faith to cause us to look in the mirror and go, you know what, I think I need to do some things different. I think I need to be different as a person, as a father, as a husband, as a, as a friend, as a co-worker, as a person in this community. 
Where is it that I exert that followership of Christ? What about the language that I use? When I'm speaking with someone that I disagree with. What about the way that I talk about other people? How is it today that Christians are going to rise up to be a reconciling force in our country instead of a dividing force in our country? How is it that we are going to follow Christ, denying ourselves, taking up our cross? What's interesting to me is that in almost every major religion, there is the notion, there is the notion that we have to deny ourselves somehow. That we have to set aside the things that we would just sort of naturally gravitate to. I mean, in, in Buddhism, um, which many of you know, I was you know, a practicing Buddhist for a while. You know, when you, when you would sit on that cushion, which is the first thing you did, they didn't teach you theology. You, you sat on a cushion and you breathed. That's what, that's what you did. And then you watched what was going on in your mind. At least that's how I was taught. And you were to, and you were to basically learn that all the suffering and all the trouble that, 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 is, that is going on, you're creating it. By holding on to things. By wanting things to be a certain way. And so, in a sense, in that practice, you had to let go, you had to deny yourself and let it go. In Judaism, there is this sense that as you study the scripture, you become a son or a daughter of the Torah. That it isn't about you, but it is about the law and the prophets, and the way God is leading you. In Christianity, we have this great sense of denying ourselves. We hear that teaching, but it's hard. Because we have our wants and our desires, we have our dreams and our hopes and our goals, and I don't think God gives us those just to trouble us. But I also think that in following Jesus, we are called to something more and different. That we weigh all of the things that we would want against what we see Jesus teaching us and how Jesus leads us out into the world. And so this list of things in Romans 12, I mean, I I dare you to put it up on your mirror in your bathroom and just read through it every day. Live in harmony with one another. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably. Never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. They are thirsty, give them something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Wow. I don't know about you, that challenges me. I would much rather curse my enemies. Because they really make me mad. <laughs> 
I would much rather curse the people that don't think the way that I do. I would much rather curse those who I think are leading us in the wrong direction rather than seek to be a voice of reason, not hiding, not not holding back, but doing so in an appropriate way to seek to open up a discussion to move us forward. Today, as you see, in our, in, it seems like in our culture, we continue to get more and more divided. We seem to have lost this notion that we are all in this together, that the bottom line is not who's right and who's wrong. The bottom line is how we lift each other up, how we grow together, how we move to quit killing each other. How we, how we take each and every person and we draw out of them the best gifts and skills and experiences. How we teach them how to become productive in a society, to love and to care for the people around them. How we come together as a community. We seem to have forgotten that. But those of us who follow Jesus... It's our call. Not to focus on division, but to focus on reconciliation. To call out what is evil, yes. To call it out and to condemn it. But not to demonize the people who we think are wrong. To seek to love them in whatever way we can. As difficult as that is. Because I think what we forget, and I know what I forget, is that, is that through our baptism, through the symbol of the sacrament, you and I were given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the one who moved over the watery chaos. At least that's what we're told in Genesis, that God said, moved over the watery chaos. God spoke and the Spirit moved over the watery chaos and formed everything that is and sustains everything that is. And that And that when we are baptized, we are given the spirit, the spirit of life that raised Jesus from the dead. The most powerful force in the universe is ours. Through our followership. We have more power than we could even fathom. And most of the time we spend our time worrying about ourselves. I'm guessing we all know people who have gotten the whole world, right? Super successful, but lost themselves in the process. How many sports stars, how many um, musicians, how many artists how many CEOs, how many people who, who, who many people have looked up to who have thought, oh man, I, I want to I be, be like him. I want to be like her. And they seem to have it all. You know, they've got the money. They've got the fame. They've got the talent. They've got the power. They've got people flocking around them. And they choose to end their life. We all know people, maybe not personally, but we all know people who have gained the world but lost their soul. 
And so I just challenge us this morning to look real close in the mirror tomorrow. Where is it that we, that you and I, are not living into that followership? Following Jesus wherever he leads. Because when we do that, we become like him. We actually become those who are leading the way. We become those who others look at and say, wow, why would he or she do that? Why would they put themselves at risk for someone else that they don't even know? Why would they give of their funds and their resources and their time to do that? To seek reconciliation in a time when it's difficult, when it's much more fun to be in my bunker and to yell at other people. Why would they do that? It's because we believe and we trust in the one who gave himself for us wholly and completely. And we know that our lives are found in following Jesus. And so this week, I just, I challenge you for that. Jesus is always inviting us into this new life of followership. Of following him wherever he leads. Of looking at what is keeping us from being the people that he has invited us to be. And so may you this week, may you, may you find in yourself that spirit. May you understand the gift that Jesus has given you in the Holy Spirit. The power that you have as a follower to be about the ministry of reconciliation, to love your enemies, to outdo one another in showing honor so that all people might know what it means to be a follower of the one who gave his life for love, for hope, and for the redemption of all things. Amen.